0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 15 and Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start there and then we'll flip over. To Luke chapter 19. We're beginning a brand new series today called Ship Shape. Somebody say Ship Shape. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about some kind of foundational principles that help us to move ahead into what it is that God has for us. These are the ships that shape us, relationship, citizenship, things that help us become who God's called us to be. And it, was, it was back in June that I was praying one day and just kind of seeking the Lord on what he had for us in the fall, and he dropped this series idea on my heart. And one of the things he said to me was this, if you raise the sails, I'll provide the wind. Yeah. Taking notes this morning, I want you to write that down. If, if we raise the sails, God will provide the wind. Now let me explain that a little bit to you. I believe that God is saying that this church is kind of like a ship. You guys ever seen a ship that has sails on it before? Yeah. No one has seen that before? <laughs> I think Popeye had one on his chest. You've at least seen that. That's a pretty cool tattoo, by the way. He, he promotes tattoos. No, I don't. I'm just... Anyway. <laughs> ship shape. Ship shape. So the idea of a ship with sails on it is you raise the sails, and the sails are able to capture an invisible power that exists, and, 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 and the sails are able to capture that and move the ship ahead, right? Yeah. And what I believe God is saying to us as a church is that there's certain sails, we're going to talk about these seven kind of sails, that we are called as God's people to raise, and when we do, God will help move us Individually and corporately as a church, ahead into what it is that He has for us. There's a power that can be harnessed. And now, here's the thing: we can we can go about this in our own strength. We can we can have a row row boat row row your boat mentality. But it's better. Listen, it's better if there's a if there's a power that we can harness that can help us go where we're called to go. How many know we we should opt for that power? And that's what God wants to do. He wants to back us up. He wants to provide the power to move us ahead into what it is he has for us. I love this verse. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, your help will not come from your own strength and power. No, your help will come from my spirit. Somebody say spirit. Spirit. This is what the Lord all powerful says. He says the help that you need. Listen, I'm not saying we're not called to do some work here because we are. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Listen, God is building this house, but we do have a part. We labor in vain. The, the, the understood idea there is we're doing some labor. But if, we're, if we don't do it with God behind us and God with us, then we're laboring in vain. You guys tracking with me? But when we when we invite god into what it is that we're doing and we do things his way we raise these sails then we get the spirit of god behind us you know what that word spirit is the is the hebrew word ruach ruach and you got to say it, you gotta hawk when you say it you gotta have that like hawk. it's a hebrew word so you gotta hawk it ruach somebody say ruach ruach, ruach okay and that word ruach means a mighty wind a powerful breath a violent exaltation in the new testament Uh, the word for spirit is the Greek word pneuma. It means a current of air, a blast of breath. You guys following me? So here's what God says. I'm going to provide my spirit and my spirit is going to be this mighty wind that you can set your sail with. That's going to move you ahead into what it is God has for us. God's called us to do some great things. I believe as a church, As people, God has called us to make a difference. He's called us to have an impact on our culture. He's called us to influence the world around us. But we have to do things God's way. We have to raise the sail, and then he will empower us to accomplish what we're called to do. So over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at these things, these sails that we can raise, these, these ships that will shape our life as believers, our life as a church, And and, and, and I believe God's going to do something amazing. So here's the first word this week as we jump into this. We're going to set the sail of citizenship. Somebody say citizenship. citizenship. And bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for a full room. So awesome, Lord, what you've done. We thank you for the worship we've experienced today. We've been able to come into a place and encounter you. And I pray that over the next few moments, as we look to your word, that you would speak to us, that your word, which you breathed into existence, would now breathe into us and would empower us and strengthen us, that we would leave this place different than we came into this place today with a greater knowledge of who you are, a greater knowledge of what you've called us to do. And we're careful to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say citizenship. Citizenship. In 1 Peter 2, 11, Peter is talking to a group of Christians, a group of believers, people who have made Jesus the Lord of their life. And he, he says something interesting when he refers to them. He calls them pilgrims and sojourners, pilgrims and sojourners. And, and what he's saying is he's kind of referring to them and, and letting them in on something that as Christians, as believers, that they no longer belong to the kingdom of this earth anymore. Even though they may exist in this world, they now have a new home that they belong to. They're pilgrims. They're sojourners. This is just, they're on a journey right now. They're in a place, but this is not their home. In fact, Philippians 3.20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're no longer a citizen to this earth. You you exist on this planet now as a Christian, as an alien. Your home is with God in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven, and yet you're still here. So what's up with that? Like, why is it that if we don't belong here anymore, if we're called to a different place to live, why is it that we still exist on this planet? Why is it that after we get saved, after we make Jesus the Lord of our life, He doesn't just rapture us up into heaven in that moment? Well, here's why. Because we have a job to do. We're not done. We have a role to play in this world. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Kingdom of heaven citizens are called to make kingdom of heaven citizens. As a kingdom of heaven citizen, as a Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, our job, our call is to help other people Step into citizenship in heaven. Help other people move from, from a life here on earth that's bound and and, and and rooted in this broken fallen world to a life in heaven on this earth. God's called us to something great. He's called us to be what the Bible calls in 2 Corinthians 5.20, ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We, here's what that means: that means we represent another rule and reign in the place that we find ourselves like in america we have ambassadors in different countries and our ambassadors represent the the leaders of america and the the rules of america and the reign of america in other places as christians that's what we're called to do jesus came to this earth and he lived on this earth but he's not here anymore and yet he is here because he's here in you christ in you is the hope of glory And what God has called us to do is be his ambassadors, to be his representatives in this world that point people to who he is, that point people to a different way of living, to point people to a different way of of going through life connected with him. We're citizens of heaven. We're ambassadors. It says this, verse, uh, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, God is making his appeal. His appeal. His appeal to who? To other people, to people who are lost. Through us. We speak for Christ when we, when we plead, come back to God. We do this. God's called us to do this. And when I say we, I, I'm not just talking about me. I'm not just talking about, you know, these worship leaders who are up here, the people who, who get to have a microphone and stand up and, and, and share the word. I'm talking about we is, is all of us. It's us as a church. We is me. We is you. Turn the person beside you and say he's talking to you. We as us, we as kingdom citizens are called to make kingdom citizens. We're called to, like Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world, go into all the world. You know, I think sometimes we read a verse like that. And we just kind of think of it from this perspective of like the world, right? Like we need to go into the world, into those places in the world where people don't know Jesus. And we kind of put it off in this distant place. And I think even from there, we can kind of give it to some distant person. It's not ours to do. But listen, all the world is all the world. (laughs) So if you're a junior high, high school student, he's talking about your world. He's talking about your school. He's talking about on your sports team. If you're a mom, he's talking about in your home with your little kids. He's talking about your neighborhood. He's talking about your gym. He's talking about your job, your workplace. All the world is all the world, right? We're called to go into all the world. We're called to go into all of our world, And preach the gospel you know what gospel is it's good news we have good news you know what the good news is Jesus has come and he's died on the cross for our sins and he's made a way so that we can be pulled out of darkness into his marvelous light so we could be saved from eternity in hell but beyond that so we can be saved into the life with Christ now listen Jesus preached a kingdom message and the kingdom message was not someday when you die you'll fly away it's kingdom now it's on earth as As it is in heaven now, Jesus came to bring freedom to us today. That's the gospel good news. And we're to preach it to every creature, every person we come in contact with. This is the call of God as Christians. We're disciples. This isn't an option. This is a mandate of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to go and to make a difference. So as a church, understand, we're on a mission. This isn't just about you. We exist for you, yes, because we love you and we want to help you and we want to disciple you, but we also exist for those who aren't here. And we want to help them step into the relationship with God that God wants for them. We wanna, what, what's our, what do we say here at New Song Church? We want to help, help people know God. The reality is some people don't know God. They're lost. They're going to hell and they're living in hell now and God had, Jesus made a way so they don't have to. And we got to get fired up about this. We got to take this personally. We got we to realize we're called to this. We can't just wait for somebody else to do it, sit back and hope that it gets done. No, no, we have a part to play. We got to step up and get involved. Why? Because God loves the lost and he died for the lost. He died so they could be brought into salvation. And sometimes I think we think of lost uh, from the perspective of people we don't know. And you know, sometimes it's easy to not have a heart for someone you don't know because you don't know them. You know, we we see people all the time we don't know. And we're not thinking about people that we don't really know. But I want you to know, to God, they're not someone he doesn't know. These people that are lost, he knows them. He knows them like you know the people you love dearly. He knows them like you know your mother and your father. Like you know your children, your sons and your daughters. Like you know your brothers and your sisters, your aunts and your uncles. He loves them like you love them. Those lost people are not just another lost person. They're not just some rando person to God. They're someone he died for. They're someone he loves dearly. He wants to see reached. And he knows what's ahead of them. He knows where they're going if they don't get this right. He knows that there's so much more that they could be living in if they'll simply turn and come to recognize him. And so he's called us to be the people who say, hey, come and see this Jesus that we've met. Come and meet the one who can change everything for you. You know, when, when you lose something, it can be distracting, can it? I, you know, I have this problem and I've, I've, I've recently fixed it. I've recently kind of stepped into something that's helped me. I lose my keys all the time. I mean, it's ridiculous people. And I will, I will put them in the weirdest places. I found my keys in the refrigerator before. It's crazy. Like, I'll lose my keys. And I, I recently got this thing called a tile. You guys know about these? I've known about them for years, but it was always like, oh, I don't want to buy that, which was the stupidest way of thinking ever. Spend <laughs> like 25 bucks on this thing, and it's completely changed my life. <laughs> I mean, for real. And it's, it's like regularly, every day. I, this is how much I lose my keys. Like, every day, I get up my phone, I push this button, and it lets me know where in the house I've placed my keys. It, my keys start playing this little song, and so I get to wander through that, and it's, it's a happy little song. So when you find them... <laughs> Not only have you found them, but you kind of got to, you know, find your keys. It's like, it's a fun little thing. But when you lose something, it's distracting, isn't it? A few years ago, uh, I went to a, a Dallas Cowboys game. And uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Any Cowboys fans in here? Right on, right on. There's a few, there's a few of you. It's, it's, it's not easy, is it? I, I blame my father. When I was a kid, there's actually pictures of me as a little baby in like Dallas Cowboys onesies. He began to indoctrinate me into this life. <laughs> and so I became a fan. When I was 12, 13 years old, too, that was, that was you know, 92, 93, 95, they won the Super Bowl. So I was like, man, this is, this is incredible. And then it was like you know, the greatest honeymoon of all time, and then a really bad marriage after that. My... <laughs> 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 I'm still, and I'm committed. I ain't leaving. I want to. And my son, he's getting old. Like he, he's getting older and he's kind of liking, you know, he, he'll watch football with me. And I, I seriously have had this conversation where I'm like, hey, buddy, you don't have to do this. I'm not, you, you can have, you can like another team. Like you like the Chiefs. Why don't you like the Chiefs? Hey, shut up. I was kidding. I love you guys. Well, no, I'm like, hey, buddy, you like another team. You don't have to go through what I'm going through. There's a better way. Don't, don't make the same mistakes that my father made me inherit. But, I, but anyways, I'm a Cowboys fan. And uh, so there's this, I, I've gone to games throughout the years. And this one year, uh, they were having a really good season. It was one of the, you know, the, the years, the four years in the past 30 that they've actually been good. And, uh... <laughs> And so they were leading their division, doing really great. They were playing the Buffalo Bills. This was in the old Texas stadium. And I had bought tickets, really good tickets to go see them play. I was on the 50-yard line, not too far from the field. Um, Had spent some money to get these tickets. Sarah was there with me. My dad was there with me. My brother-in-law was there with me. And I was excited. And, And, man, I was in my environment. You know, I'm there. I'm at the game. They're doing good. They're winning. They won the game. All that was great. But I was distracted throughout the whole game. And here's why. Um, Somewhere between my car and getting into the stadium, I lost my wallet. Yeah, it was a bummer. And I didn't realize it until I went to the concession stand. I was going to go buy something, and it was like, oh, no, where's my wallet? And so now I'm distracted, right? I'm thinking about, like, I got to go to the DMV now and get another driver's license. At the DMV, people. And I've lost cash and I'm thinking of all these things. I'm thinking my, I have to make phone calls and call my bank and call credit card companies and cancel cards. And, and so I'm there and I'm in this place where like my team's doing good. People are excited. I was somewhat excited, but I was distracted by what wasn't there, by what I valued that wasn't there with me. Wow. Here's what I want you to see. I, I believe this. I believe God looks at our church and I believe he's excited about what's happening here. He sees people who are being discipled, growing in the things of God, walking with the Holy Spirit, empowered lives, people being healed, people being set free from addiction. I mean, kids back there learning who they are in Christ, what they can do because of what Jesus has done for them. People who are worshiping him, glorifying him. I believe God looks at all that and he says, man, I love what's happening here. But I also believe that God is looking outside of what's happening here to the people who aren't here. And he's saying, I I wish that they were there. And so one eye is looking at them, but then understand another one's looking at you. And He's saying, hey, would you, would you go get him? Would you go get him? Because see, that's, that's what we're here to do. We're called to be people. help usher in people to know this God that we've come to know, the same God that set us free, that's healed us, that's done all this for us, wants to do it for other people. And he's looking to to us and he's he's saying to us, would you be the one that welcomes them in? God loves the lost. In Luke 15, we get a a glimpse into the heart of God for the lost and even the heart of God for those that are found. He says this, verse 3, Jesus told them a story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others? Now notice this, he, he's only lost one, he's got a hundred, he's only lost one. But, but notice, he'll, he'll leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it. Now, we're, we're going to keep reading here, we're going to go through verse seven in a moment, but let me break here for a moment, because I, I think sometimes we can kind of not really understand these verses because we don't understand the culture of shepherding. But in Bible times, when Jesus told the story, this was as common as driving a car or doing our laundry is to us today. People understood what he was saying. Because we, we read this today and we kind of go, man, it sounds like God, once he gets us, doesn't really care about us anymore. Like he'll leave the 99 in the wilderness. Like that sounds kind of scary. The wilderness? God, Really? It's like you get saved and God's like, okay, good, got you. Now stay over there and stay out of the way. I got to go find somebody else. But that's not the heart of God. In fact, John 10, Jesus tells us, I am the good shepherd. And he says this, I would lay down my life for my sheep. So understand a good shepherd who's willing to lay down his life for his sheep is not going to leave them in a dangerous, bad, scary place. When it says he'll leave them in the wilderness, that word wilderness actually means a pasture that's set to care for them. So when Jesus says, I'm gonna leave the 99, understand the understood idea that people of the day would have known about a good shepherd is he's not abandoning the 99 to search for the one. He's leaving the 99 in perfect care, but he's searching for the one that's lost. It's not that God loves the, the one and not the 99. It's that God loves them all. Are you guys tracking with me? Verse five, and when he has found it, the lost sheep, He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. What I want you to see here is Jesus is a good shepherd, and he cares about the 99 and leaves them in good care while he also searches out the one, the lost one. He cares about them all. He wants all 100. See, here's the thing with Jesus. Like a 99% success rate is not good enough for Jesus. He wants all 100. He died for all. And he wants all to come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He wants all to step out of, of the disaster of this world and step into what he has for them. It's funny, last weekend, if you remember, I taught kind of about like losing a child. You guys remember that? Well, after church was over, something interesting happened. I lost a child. We were... We were getting ready to leave, and uh, you know, the, the nature for me and Sarah after church is over, we're talking to people. Sometimes we're, we can be some of the last people here, and our kids have kind of learned like they get checked out of children's ministry, and then there's actually a room uh, that we have a green room where they can go and they can kind of wait from, for us to get done. And normally that's where they go, and that's where my girls had gone. But my 13 year old did not, he was in the threshold classroom and there's a pillar in there and there's a video game behind that pillar. And he was playing that video game and it was turned all the way down. And so when you go look in that room, you can't see him and you can't hear him. And, and he's just in there in his own world. And so we're walking around looking for him. I'm, we're calling people, texting people. Did he, did he go home with you? And it's like, you know, people are telling Sarah, she's, she's Mary. Like, you know, she lost Jesus. Like that's how we're feeling in the moment. We just talked about this and now we can't find our child. Now here's the thing in that moment, like if somebody would have come up to me and be like, Hey, I heard you can't find Gus. Yeah, we we can't find him. Well, do you still have your daughters? Yeah. Well, you're good. No, not. I want all my children home. You guys following me? Like that's, that's the heart of God. He loves these people. And he's, he's not okay with us going, well, you know, look at all these people who are here. We're all here. But, but there's a bunch of people who aren't. Yeah. And they're lost. And it's dangerous. And they need to come home. They need to come into what God has called them to step into. So it's our job as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to not put this off on somebody else. we got to raise the sail, And if we will, God will empower us. He'll help you to do it but we have to raise the sail so that the wind of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the spirit of God can come alongside of us and help us to walk in this the way he's called us to. So let me help you with this a little bit today. Let me, let me help you to understand how you raise the sail and help other people in this journey of stepping into relationship with God. We wanna reach lost people. We wanna help people step into citizenship. How do we do it? Here's the first thing. You gotta connect with people. If you're gonna help people know God, reach the lost, help people step into citizenship. If we're going to raise that sail, we're going to have to connect with people. It says this about Jesus in Luke 19, verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's, that's Jesus in a nutshell. He came to this earth to seek out those who are lost and to save them from that state of being lost. And what's interesting is that verse actually comes on the heels of Jesus' giving us a great example of exactly how he did that. Look at this with me. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And the reason he was rich is because he was a jerk. Zac was a bad dude. This was not a good guy. Zac had some issues. Okay, so at this time, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, are living under Roman rule, under Roman kind of captivity. And, uh, and, and what they would do is they would tax the Hebrew people. And they would use Hebrew people as tax collectors. And these, these people, these Hebrew tax collectors, were looked at by the other Hebrew people as being like traitors to their people. And, and what they would do is, so a Roman government would say, okay, you're going to be a tax collector, you're going to collect from this group of people, and this is how much you are to bring in. Well, many times, they could collect over and above that, and whatever they collected above it, they got to keep and they had the Roman guard, Roman soldiers, literally with them as they went into these homes to collect taxes. And they would go in, and they would say, hey, you owe us this much. And you would know that they were stealing from you, but there's nothing you could do about it. Because if you tried to stand up or do anything, that Roman soldier's going to lop your head off. So the, the, the people of the day, the Jewish people, hated these tax collectors. They were stealing from them. They were robbing them. And they couldn't do anything about it. That's Zacchaeus, not a good dude. Now look at this, verse three, and he sought to see who Jesus was. I want you to notice that too. He didn't want to know what Jesus taught. He didn't, he didn't want to know what Jesus knew. He wanted to know who Jesus was. Listen, so often we think that what we need to do is just go in and like have these theological debates and tell people how wrong they are and what we know that maybe they don't know and how, you know, where they're all messed up, but, but that's not what people want to know about you. What people want to know is who are you? What are you really all about? He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature or he's a short guy. Or if you grew up in, in children's church, he was wee. He's a wee little man, right? Climbed up in a sycamore tree. You guys remember that? Verse four. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, you dirty dog. How dare you try to connect with me? You tax collector, you thief. Hey, just so you know, you're going to hell, Zach. You're going to hell, bro. Good luck with that. Is that what Jesus said? No. What does he say? He says, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. You know what he says to him? He says, hey, Zach, let's hang out. Yeah, come on. That's what he said. Yeah. Let's me and you just spend some time together. Wow. Let's me and you just, just hang out. And look what it goes on to say. So he made haste, Zacchaeus, and came down and received him joyfully. And I'm telling you, if we will have a heart like that that says to people, instead of we're going to people and saying, hey, you're going to hell. Instead, if we'll say, hey, let's hang out people will receive us a lot more joyfully than if we're telling them, hey, turn or burn, okay? <laughs> Look at this, verse eight. Then Zacchaeus said, stood and said, to the Lord. Now this is amazing. something happens between between six, seven, and eight. It's not really in Scripture, but man, there is a dramatic change that takes place after Zacchaeus has a moment with Jesus. He comes into an encounter with the living, loving, real Jesus Christ. and out of that, look at what happens here. Look Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken, taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What happened at the lunch? <laughs> like for real, you got a guy who's like a chief tax collector, a terrible person, stealing from people, robbing from people. And now he's completely changed. What has happened? I'll tell you what's happened. He's had an encounter with Jesus. He's been brought into the presence of Jesus. He's experienced Jesus and now he has changed. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. And here it is, verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and saved that which is lost. Jesus connected with him. And in that environment where someone has an encounter with Jesus, it's in that environment that change Can take place supernatural life altering change takes place so so we're called to connect with people because here's the thing christ in you is the hope of glory when they come to connect with you if you're doing this the right way they're connecting with jesus through you and he's bringing a hope to them a hope of something better to them so how do we do this? Well, let, let me give you a little trick in this. I can't go into all the details of it, but here's, here's something that you need to practice. If you want to raise this sale, you want to connect with people, listen first. On, yeah. Become a listener. You know, we live in a world today where everybody wants to talk. Yeah. Very few, few people want to listen. Everybody wants to tell their opinion. Everybody wants to say, say, you know, tell it the way it is, the way they see it. This is, my, this is what I think. Very few people are willing to listen. So, so understand this, in a world where everyone wants to talk, listeners stand out. Yeah. And I believe this, I believe that your ear is a great tool for showing the love of God to people. Being willing to be a person who's just willing to say, well, what do you, what do you think? What's going on with you? I wanna to listen to your heart. And when I say listen, I'm not just talking about listening with these ears. I'm talking about listening with these ears of the Spirit of God. An ear that hears beyond just what they're saying to what God is saying, about them to you. Listen. The Bible says in Proverbs eighteen thirteen, always listen before you answer. You guys have heard that quote. It's, it's very well said over the years. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This isn't about being incredibly uh, amazing at, at theology. This is about being someone who just has a heart to listen. A heart to listen. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were coming home from vacation We'd been in Florida, and we were driving home, and we'd been driving all day. I think it had been 11 hours or so, and we stopped in Louisiana and, uh, and got a hotel. And the kids had been in the car all day. And you're, you know how it is when you travel. Like, you're sitting in a car, and you're together with your family, and you're just kind of like, you know, done. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... We had gone out to eat and, and had dinner, and then we went back to the hotel, and you could just kind of tell the kids are a little antsy, so we were like, hey, let's go to the pool. We'll let them swim for about an hour, get a little energy out before we go to bed. And so we go to the pool. The kids get their swimsuits on, and me and Sarah, we're, just, we're not going to go swimming. We're just going to kind of hang out and watch them swim. So we go down to this pool, and when we get down there, there's this group of guys, and they've got some music playing. And uh, they got a bunch of coolers and some beers, and they're just kind of hanging out. And so we were like, okay, we're going to go to this side of the pool. So we go to our little side of the pool, and we're sitting down there, and me and Sarah are talking. And I look up, and one of the guys is looking over at us, and he's holding up a beer, and he's like, <laughs> like offering us a beer. I was like, no, I'm good. going to watch my children in an unenebriated state. Thank you, but no thank you. So we kind of went back to talking. <laughs> And then a few minutes later, uh, I look up and the guy's now, he's holding up an orange. <laughs> awesome. And I think Sarah said, This guy really wants to give us something. <laughs> he's holding up an orange. And like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be rude. I, I can eat an orange. So I was like, Sure. Like, you know. So he throws me this orange. I catch it and I start peeling it. And Sarah's like, You're going to eat that? <laughs> I like, well, it's an orange. I don't think this is a poisoned apple situation here. So I'm, I'm peeling this orange, and I guess that was the signal to this guy of like, oh, they want to hang out. <laughs> so he starts making his way over there, and I, I think I literally said, I don't remember, oh man, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to talk. I was done for the day. Been driving for eleven hours. I'm done. But as he's walking over, I just felt something inside, on, yeah. and it was kind of like, hey, just be in the moment. And so he came over, and I just I sat up on the chair. And I just started talking to this guy, and I just started asking him questions, and just listening. And it was really neat how God kind of orchestrated the whole thing, because, you know, I found out about, he was a part of a demolition crew, and they travel all over America doing demolition work, and then that led me to another question, so are, where, where do you live, where's your home? And he's like, well, I live in Buffalo, New York, and, uh, but he actually doesn't have a home there, he, he has a, just a truck there, like a pickup truck, because he's never home. I was like, well, you know, do you have a family? He starts telling, oh, did you have a father? And it just kind of led me to all these questions. And through a series of questions, I was able to lead this guy to the Lord. Wow. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, I wasn't, I didn't try to just throw theology at him. I didn't try to tell him, you know, hey, you need to stop your lifestyle, quit doing it. I just listened and yeah. made myself available. I was willing to take that moment and just connect with someone who, and I, and I was able to hear his heart. The spirit of God allowed me to, to see what needed to be said and to, to minister to this guy in a moment. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you that way. There's people that God wants to orchestrate. I wasn't even seeking it out, but God wants to use you. If you'll be willing to live in the moment, don't blow people off. Let the, let the hope of glory shine through your life. Connect with people. Here's the second thing. If you want to raise the sale of citizenship in your life, you need to share your story. Share your story. Did you know in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should go around and figure out where people are wrong and point that out to them. (laughs) Like, nobody likes that. It's like, remember being in junior high and you have a zit, you know? And somebody's like, hey, dude, you got a zit on your forehead. And you're like, shut up remember that? I don't know. I remember that. But, but some of us, that's like what we're doing. Hey, you got problems. Hey, you're a mess. You don't want to hear that. And that's not what God's called us to do. This is what the Bible says, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men, your light, the light of Jesus in you, that they may see your good works. Notice they see the work of your life the productivity of your life, the production of your life. They see what, what you're about. They're watching you. They see your good works, and it glorifies your Father in heaven. In other words, your life, in your life, you're, you're setting a sail of citizenship. And people see that, and they say, what, what do you know that I don't know? Why are you the way you are? <laughs> why, why is it that this stuff that bothers me isn't bothering you? Why is it that you seem to have a hope in all of this stuff going on? Why, why is that? Why do you have peace when no one else seems to have peace? They see the glory of your God the Father through your life. That sail that you've raised. And it points people to Jesus. And they say, I'm interested in what you have. That's being a witness. And by the way, that's what God's called us to. Acts 1.8 says, you will be my witness. Telling people about me everywhere. We're called to be witnesses. Notice it doesn't say you're called to be the judge. It doesn't say you're called to be the prosecuting attorney. It says you're called to be a witness. You know what a witness does? They share their story. They're brought up to the stand and they say, this is how I see it. This is what I've experienced. This is what has happened. So that's, that's our call. We're called to tell our story. And so you have a testimony. In fact, the Bible says it like this in 1 John 5.10. Those who believe in the Son of God have a testimony of God in them. It's in you. God has put a story in you that the world needs. Wow, so cool. And so it, it's our part to share that story. So what is that story? Well, some, for some of you, sometimes it, the story is how you, come, you came to know God. Some of you, it's what God means to you. Some of you, it's the testimony of God healing you that somebody needs to hear. Uh, maybe your witness is how God brought you out of depression, how God freed you financially, how God has made you successful. Like, what's your witness? See, your witness, sometimes I think we think that to have a witness or to have a good testimony, we have to have a bad story. Yeah. But listen, your testimony is not about how bad you were, it's about how good God is. Yeah. Am I helping you this morning? Yeah. So, any story of God's goodness in your life is your witness. Yeah. And you just need to share it. Just be willing to talk to people about it. Don't hide it. Don't hide it under a bushel. No. <laughs> Let it shine. And recognize, recognize like this isn't about like being unbelievably great at theology because intellectual arguments don't win relationships. You know, I remember when, when me and Sarah were first dating, we went to dinner one night and she sat down in front of me and she had this 10 point PowerPoint presentation that she laid out of all the reasons why uh, I should marry her. And so she went through all 10 points with me. And when it was over, she had convinced me on an, intellectual, on an intellectual level that I should marry her. And so that's why we got married. That's not how it happened. That's not a true story. How, how did I get to know her? I got to know her. How did I fall in love with her? I spent time with her. I got to learn about what she was about. And, and, I, and I won her heart and she won mine. And so yeah, I mean, God is, God was good and he was faithful and he brought us together, but it was through relationship that she was able to, to win me. Her dreams came true, right? Some of you don't know this, but she really did have a dream that she would marry me. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for that dream. Good Lord. I got kicked my coverage on that one. Thank for we did, some of you boys need to be praying now. Start praying. I was a, I, yeah, that's one thing I did get in high school. I prayed for my wife. And God answers prayer. Can I get an amen? amen? Intellectual arguments don't win relationships, but relationships can win relationships. So connect with people, share your story, and then here's number three. Invite them to an encounter. Invite them to an encounter. Or let me say it like this: invite them to a good church. And I happen to know a really good one. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about this mailer that's going out to 30,000 homes. But I want you to know that mailer is going to have success. But a church of almost eight, 900 people, all of you getting a vision for this and going into your world and you being a person of invitation will be way more successful than a mailer hitting 30,000 homes. Right. So, so we need to be people of invitation. And invite people into an encounters. You know, when I, when I met that guy and I prayed with him at the, by that pool that day, the, the thing that bothered me walking away from there was that I couldn't connect him to the church. I wished, I, in fact, we tried to. We talked to him about our YouTube page and told him, you know, new song people and tried to connect him that way because I've just seen it. The church is so powerful. It's an instrument God has placed in this world, the bride of Christ that through it, God can do amazing things in people's life. Because see, through the church, people connect with God and they connect with God's people. And it, and, it, and through God's people, they can. it validates what you're saying. It's one thing for you to tell them God's really good and God's done all this. It's another thing when they come into an environment like this and they see a bunch of people just like you who love God and they get into small groups and they hear these stories and, and people are coming together and iron is sharpening iron. Like that's there's something powerful about that. In fact, more people come to Jesus through church, through being brought to church than any other way. Do you know that? So, so here's, here's the call for our life is we're called to become and see people come and see just to invite people into a place where they can have an encounter with God and with God's people. And I want you to know, that's what this church is about. Like we're not about trying to put on a good show for you. Like that is not the goal at all. We're not trying to like, you know, the goal of our worship team is not, hey, let's play some really good songs and get people to tap their foot. Like that's not the point. The point of this message is not, hopefully you guys can hear a couple of points that'll help you with your your life. The point of this church is we want to help people know God and we want to bring people into a place of encounter with Jesus Christ. Christ, We say that we are a presence-driven church. That doesn't mean the presence drives us. That means we're driven to pursue the presence of God. Everything we do is about connecting people hand in hand with God. Why? Because only Jesus can change people. Only Jesus can bring freedom to people. Only Jesus can help people overcome addiction. Only Jesus can heal you. I can't do that. This isn't about new song. This is about Jesus. This church is about bringing people to an encounter. He's the guest of honor here. He's the one we want to bring you to. I'm down here worshiping every week and I'm inviting the presence of God to speak to people, to heal people. Lord, help them to see. Help lights come on in people today. I pray you're healing people right now. I pray you're manifesting your love to people right now. I want people to experience Jesus because Jesus is an experience to have. So we've got to get fired up about this and invite people. We've got to become and see people. Somebody say, Come and see. I love this verse, John 1, 45. This guy, Philip, has just had an encounter with Jesus and he's so excited. He runs to his friend, Nathaniel, and he tells him about it. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So he's pumped, he just met Jesus. He's the one, this is the Messiah. He goes to his friend and look at Nathaniel. And Nathaniel said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Wah, wah. Like, <laughs> you ever had those moments? But notice, I want you to notice his answer. He doesn't come back and be like, well, actually, if you go back and you study theology, it said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, but actually he move it. he doesn't get into all that. What does he do? He just says, come and see. Yeah. Come and see. Why? Because he knew, hey, I could try to have an argument with you, but if I can just get you into an environment where Jesus is present, it'll it'll take care of it for you. Come and see. New Song Church, God is saying to you, we need to be come and see people. We have to be people of invitation. We have to be people who are inviting the people in our world. Hey, come and see. Come and see what Jesus is doing in, in my church. Just come check it out. I, just come. Come see what God's doing. Who who might be, whose salvation could be on the other side of your invitation? Who Whose eternity could be impacted by you being willing to just say to that person in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, wherever it may be, for you to just say, hey, just come and see. Come check out what God's doing here. Come into this environment where the, the one, the Savior, is present. It'll change everything. We gotta be come and see people. Let me give you a couple tips on how to do that. Number 1, grab invitations. Grab some invitations. Now, this is funny because huh, this was a point in my message and yet I found out this weekend that we don't have any invitations here at New Song Church. The printer messed them up and they didn't get delivered. But normally, <laughs> grab invitations. So out in the lobby, we have invitations. And I want to encourage you, do this next week. Make a note, put it in your phone whatever. Next week, you're going to grab some of these little invitations. Why? It's it's like you're putting them in your purse. You're putting them in your wallet. And you're expecting God to put you in positions where you can share and say, hey, come and see. Come and see. You just have something that can be that connecting point to bring some some people in. Here's the other thing. Move your seat. I'm telling you, church, I need some of you to move. You got to move. We got to make room for people. You're, you're, you being, I love that your butt's in the seat, but there's other butts that need to be in some of these seats. And, and so you moving is you saying, I'm willing to give up my seat so somebody else can have it. I'm gonna make an invitation by simply moving my seat. So I need some of you to do that this week. I need you to come to Saturday Night Church. I need you to come to Sunday first. Here's, here's, the, here's another thing, share on social media. I can't tell you how often I meet people in the lobby and they tell me, I'm, I'm asking them, hey, how did you hear about the church? And they say, well, you know, someone had a post about something going on at your church and we thought we'd check it out. I'm not telling you, you have to come up with these incredible, you know, invitations that you do through social media. I'm just saying, share a quote from the message, share about an event going on worship night tonight, share something God's saying to you, share how much, just say, I love my church. I'm checking it on Facebook, man. I love the church I'm going to. You never know who might see that. And it may be an invitation that helps them to come to know God. There's so much darkness on social media. Let's be people of light. And oh yeah, you, we, we've got tons of great resources for you to share. Just share our stuff sometimes. Just repost it. Tag yourself in it. Get, get it out there. Help us out with that. How many you will help with that? Say amen. amen. Pray. Be people of prayer. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you see people. Pray. And offer yourself to the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about how we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We'll offer ourselves fully to the Lord. Lord, here's my hands. I pray that you'd use my hands to minister healing to a hurting world. Lord, here's my feet. Lead me to people who are lost. Help me to come across their path. Lord, hear my eyes. Help me to see the broken. Hear my ears. Help me to hear past what they're saying to what's really happening. Here's, here's me. I offer all myself to you. Use me, Lord. Have your way through my life and the life of other people. Use me. God, let me be a gospel message to this world. Let Christ in me be seen through my life and then just look for opportunities expect opportunities expect that there's going to be chances and, and you know what sometimes we have those moments and we're just kind of like should I and the answer is yeah if it's gospel good news you should I'm not telling you to say turn or burn that ain't helping nobody but if it's gospel good news if you're pointing them to the hope that is Jesus Christ let's start doing it amen come